I've got a head for business and a bod for sin. Is there anything wrong with that? Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined by... Brendan Fitzpatrick. And we've got a special guest today making her podcast <laughs> debut. You may know her as Veggie Dog on Letterboxd. She is Molly Flannery from Las Vegas. Molly, how are you? I'm great. It's great to uh, be talking with you guys. Did I dox you by saying where you're from? No, no. Okay. I'm, I'm proud proud to be from Sin City. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Body for Sin, a city for Sin. Yes. Uh, Molly usually joins us sending in a voicemail when her selections are picked, which I feel like among the listeners, you might be in the lead. Brendan probably could. Yes. V, I think, has had two. Jeff has had one. But I think you've got like four. Nice. Wow. Like four or five. So. Um, I'm honored. Thank yeah. you. You might have more than me at this point, really. Yeah, I think you might have more than me at this point. So, uh, yeah, we figured uh, since tonight we were going to be talking about Working Girl, and that is due to multiple connections to uh, last week's movie, The Girl, mostly that it is uh, Melanie Griffith is the star of Working Girl. She is Tippi Hedren's daughter, and also it has Girl in the title and deals with some uh, workplace sexual misconduct. And they mentioned Grace Kelly. Oh yes, lost yes. the role yeah. of uh, lost the role or declined the role in uh, Marnie. Yeah. So that's why Tippi Hedren got it. Yeah. So uh, lots of connections. This was a good. This is a good suggestion by Molly. So we figured, why not instead of having Molly on a voicemail, she can just come on and talk to us for an hour and a half or so about this movie. So yeah. that is what we're gonna do. Uh, Molly, why don't you? I mean, people have heard you write in suggestions. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm a lifelong movie lover and um. I've never worked in big business like Melanie Griffith's character, but um, I am currently a bartender in a restaurant in Las Vegas. So um, I work with my share of, you know, male coworkers, but um, luckily I've not had to deal with, you know, anything sexual harassment wise. So, but I'm, I'm happy to chime in for the working girl. What about dim sum? Do you guys serve dim sum at your bar? Um, no, I did work at a PF Chang's once, but I never had to push a steamy cart around, but, and, you know, we, I have, have done table side service. So yeah, I guess I can relate most of that part. Oh, you're like, <laughs> so, sort of. so where does veggie dog come from? <laughs> oh, good question. Um, yeah, animal lover and vegetarian, okay. vegan. Oh, well, there so. you go. Oh, there nice. Go. Oh, Zach is also a vegan. He loves yeah. to tell people. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually have some I have some Aldi veggie dogs in my fridge right now. I might be cooking those for dinner tonight. That's right. Plenty I highly recommend veg- the Aldi veggie dogs. They're great. Yeah, getting your tofurkey ready for Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, uh, getting my <laughs> recipes in order, trying to figure out what I'm going to make. Um, nice. Yes, I have. Uh, well, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Let's just talk about Thanksgiving for a minute. Uh, I like a good vegan pumpkin cheesecake, so I'll go Ooh. straight to dessert. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I'm more savory. I like the. I have a vegan uh, green bean casserole that Jeff mm. and he sent me that recipe, and I can eat the whole pan, no problem. It's so good. Always good. They get have the crunchy onions on top, right? Oh yeah, I actually just yeah. bought some of those. Today. <laughs> <Trader Joe's laughs> nice. I'm, a, I'm a stuffing guy, which I guess probably is not uh, vegan. No, there's vegan. I mean, stuff. I'm sure you can make a vegan stuffing, but mm-hmm. where's the fun in that? Just oh, use sure. veggie stock instead of chicken stock. You're all fair good. enough. Fair enough. You can use the earth balance <laughs> butter if you want to use butter. Too. That's right. Um, yep. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah. Let's see. What what else? I feel like we've been. I've not gotten into all the intro stuff. Uh, so at the end of the episode, this is where we are. At the end of the episode, <laughs> after we finish talking about Working Girl, <laughs> we will decide on the movie that we're going to do next week based on suggestions from each of us and also from listeners. 
And of course, we'll be spoiling Working Girls. We talk about it. So if you don't want to hear those spoilers, you can jump ahead to the timestamp that's in the description. Or you can pause this podcast. Working Girl is streaming on Amazon Prime. I think it's also on Hulu, I believe. It's also on Hulu, yeah. I didn't watch it on Hulu. So mm-hmm. um, lots of places for you to check that out. And mm-hmm. uh, then you can come back and listen to this part of the discussion. So, and as always, make sure you're subscribed and submit your feedback. Because maybe if, you, if you're a regular feedbacker, maybe you too will get picked to be a guest on this podcast one week. So submit that at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd and Twitter or themovieladder at gmail.com. So. Also, leave us a re- review on uh, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. I mean, where's, where's the arm? Yeah, might yeah. as well. Unless it's bad. Don't leave a bad review. <laughs> <laughs> we just uh, won't acknowledge it if you do. That's yeah. all. all right. So, uh, Molly, you get to lead us off. What was the best thing you watched this week? Um, probably, um, the movie Spellbound, but ironically not the Alfred Hitchcock version, but the, uh, documentary about the National Spelling Bee. Oh yeah. Mm. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty well-known documentary. Um, it was pretty good. It covers a lot of diverse, um, kids that are in the Spelling Bee. So, um, you get to see all their families and their backgrounds. Um, but it's, very humorous as well because um, a lot of the characters are real quirky, even the parents. So it almost gave me like a waiting for Guffman kind of vibe because mm-hmm. some of the interviews and the talking heads with the, all of the the contestants and the family members are actually quite funny. So it was pretty good. Have you seen Boy State? I feel like it's similar to Boy State. I have not. I guess I was kind of not wanting to watch it because it was just all the boys. I know I heard later they divided and they do a girls and a boys, but I was like, I'm not yeah. really sure why they just do the boys. So. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was protesting it. it. Uh, <laughs> well, I know Bob <laughs> really liked it, and that was where I first heard about it. And yeah, it was impossible to find. That's why I haven't seen it yet. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, been on my watch Oh, it's list on Apple TV. That's, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Us, yeah. Um, yeah. That's when you talked about Spellbound. It, it feels like it's like the same idea, sort of. Um, where it's like kids in a competition, but maybe not. I don't know. We have flashbacks. If anyone, if either of you were ever in a spelling bee, it kind of gives you mm-hmm. that like stressed out feeling when you're standing there and it could be, yeah. you know, there's terrifying. A, <laughs> there's a few really good spelling bee, both movies and documentaries um, that have been floating around for years. Uh, I know Aquila and the Bee is a really big one. Um, and there was another national spelling bee documentary that came out a couple of years ago. I don't remember what it was called. But yeah, it's something I've always been intrigued by. And, you know, I uh, when I was working at Ford's Theater, we did the Putnam County Spelling Bee a few years ago, and that was also really fun. So. Oh, my God. That, I, so I like there's not a movie version of that, right? Because that there is not, but they should make one with they, really uh, should. they should make one with Will Ferrell as the teacher slash judge guy. Yeah, and that would be really fun. Yeah, no, that that Brendan used to get uh, occasionally I'll be able to theater thanks to brendan's connections there and so i went and i saw putnam county spelling bee is um when he was working there and it's really funny it's a great musical i don't know how easy it is to find but uh, i would yeah, recommend, I would recommend that people check out the soundtrack at least if they okay. have you seen that molly i have not no yeah it's really fun yeah. spelling bees are dramatic spelling uh, bees are naturally dramatic there's <laughs> a lot of pressure i've never been in a spelling bee and I don't know. I'd be, it'd be kind of fun to do a spelling bee like as an adult and like mm. you don't have spell check in front of you. You don't have autocorrect. Right. Maybe we <laughs> should have to study that. a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe instead of Zoom trivia, I can start hosting Zoom spelling bees. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. <laughs> keep your hands up. You got to keep your hands up on the video so I know you're not Googling anything. <laughs> so. 
All right, uh, Brendan, what about you? Did you watch anything on Spelling Bees? Yeah, I did not watch anything on Spelling Bees, but I did watch a movie where someone has something spelled out on both of their hands. So I checked out the 1955 thriller Night of the Hunter starring Robert Mitchum. Uh, If you've ever seen the show Lost, so you know how Charlie Pace has those bandages over his fingers that say love and hate on either side. That's directly comes from Night of the Hunter. Um, where the main character has t- the words love and hate tattooed on each of his hands. And he's basically a serial ki- serial killer posing as a preacher. And I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's really intense, really incredible performance by Robert Mitchell. Um, it's one of the first sort of horror thrillers um, of that genre and really um, has an incredible score, really good performances. Uh, directed by Charles Lawton. It was the only movie he ever directed. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked it. I, I highly recommend people check it out. I love that movie. Yeah. It's, really it's amazing. Are you a Lost fan too? Yes. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. That's good. Did you like the ending of Lost? You know what? Uh, at the time, I don't remember loving it when it was airing, but I did a rewatch a couple years ago and, you know, binge the whole thing again. And I really liked it. I thought it was a perfect ending. So, yes. I, yeah, changed my I've mind. I've heard a lot of people make that change in their mind after revisiting it. You know, I think it's a lot easier to go back and, like, binge and then, like, reconsider a show than that you may have um, not liked as necessarily as much at the time. Like, I I expect that I won't judge Game of Thrones as harshly as I did in a couple of years when Mm -hmm. I actually decide to go back and revisit it, but who knows? No, I mean, I I love the ending of Lost the first time. (laughs) I I thought it felt really, really epic. I remember uh, I was so excited for it, and for me, it lived up to all the hype. And I think that mm-hmm. some of like the last season doesn't hold up as much as I've gotten further away from it. But I don't think I'm ever going to go back to the end of Game of Thrones and be like, that was good. Uh, I think I'm always going to be bitter about that. <laughs> that was disappointing. Yeah. So, all right. Well, mine. So I actually watched a ton of movies since we since I watched The oh. Girl. Uh, I've been watching on my personal movie ladder. Um, I watched uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I don't remember. That might have been before we recorded. I think that was before we recorded. You talked about it last week. Yeah, okay. Um, So since then, I kept going on Charlie Kaufman movies, but I went to the Charlie Kaufman directed movies, and I watched all three of his directed movies this week. Um, And the one that I will talk about, which was my favorite, is uh, one that I had heard the least about before I went and watched it, and that was Anomalisa. And uh, so this is one – is Charlie Kaufman co-directed this? Uh, with somebody else who else with uh, Duke Johnson and it's all like stop motion puppets and it takes place in a hotel. It's about a guy who's a traveling um, motivational speaker and he meets a woman in a hotel and it just kind of goes through. It, it's more like discussion focused, philosophical focused. And, um, you know, there, there's some kind of a, I don't know. I don't want to say like, there's just like some weirdness because it is a Charlie Kaufman movie. So, of course, there's weirdness, but not to the level of weird that Synecdoche, New York, and I'm thinking of ending things had, which both of those movies I walked away and I just was confused. And um, Anomalisa has that life, you know, it focuses on life, it focuses on love, but like you still walk away and you kind of know what you watched. So uh, it's from 2015. If you have not watched Anomalisa, yes. I'd highly recommend it. Um, I think, did I stream it somewhere? No, it's, you have to rent it, but mm. um yeah it's like the perfect combination of the visuals of the like the stop motion with the mm-hmm. feeling and the vibe of the whole movie i thought it was a great 
combination. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, it wasn't just stop motion for stop motion's sake either. It, there was actually like a reason for it. It fits in with the theme and the, the, what, they're, what they're trying to the message of the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a short, it's only a 90-minute movie. And I just walked away. It just was like a perfect blend for me of uh, so many things that I look for in a movie. And there was just really good sweetness in it. There were some funny moments as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he dives into some good thoughts as well. So yeah. um, I think I ended up making my top 10 of 2015, probably my top five of 2015. So I'd highly recommend Anomalisa if you've never seen it. Nice. Um, the other Charlie Kaufman movies are interesting. I just think they're, for me, they were too out there. Um, have yeah, you seen I... those? Have you guys seen Synecdoche in New York or I'm thinking of any things? Yeah, I really uh, liked Schenectady in New York, um, but I'm not a huge Charlie Kaufman fan, so that's really the one that I liked the most of his films that I've seen, but I'm also definitely haven't seen all of his films. Molly? I've only seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, mm-hmm. I loved that book. Like, it was probably one of the best books I've ever read, mm-hmm. and so I was so excited for the movie, and I did like it, but it was just, I had so much buildup for it, you know, mm-hmm. that it was in a it departed from the book a little bit. So I, it was yeah. good. It's just, I recommend the book. <laughs> I like, I'm thinking of anything's better, the further I get from it. And the more I can like think back, cause there's just so much to chew on. And it, yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's worth watching, especially cause it's on Netflix. So like, what, mm-hmm. you know, what do you have to yeah. lose? Might as well watch it. Um, but I'm, I wonder how different it would be knowing what the book was. And so knowing a little bit more of what you're watching when you watch that very confusing style. It's a very short book. So mm. I suggest Maybe I'll check out the book. Well, that that requires me to read, which uh, very often. I I do always like a good movie like that that sort of sits with you and gets – you appreciate more the farther away you get from it than you Mm -hmm. maybe did in the moment like that. I mean there's very few movies that really do that for me, but every time it does, I really appreciate it. So. I'm sure it's a movie that uh, that both Synecdoche, New York, and I'm Thinking of Ending Things would be mm-hmm. very good to rewatch like 10 times to pick mm-hmm. up a lot of things. I just – who has time to rewatch something that many times? Yeah, it's very long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a long movie. So um, – all right. Well, I don't have a good uh, segue, but tonight on episode number 45 of the Movie Ladder Podcast, we're going to go back to the 80s. We're going to go to New York City. We're going to talk about Working Girl. So it's uh, – Mike Nichols directed, stars Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, a whole bunch of other people. David Duchovny apparently is in it. I did not notice David Duchovny in it. Uh, he's in the party scene, but that's about it. Yeah, no, I, I was looking for him. I didn't see him. Yeah. Uh, who else? Alec Baldwin, Joan Cusack, and a whole bunch of that guys, I feel like. There were so many people that I was like, hey, that person looks familiar. And then you look at their IMDb and you realize they're in five other movies that you like. So, uh, And it was suggested by Molly, who's here as the guest. So... Molly, why don't you start off? Why did you suggest this movie, and what did you think of it? Uh, well, even in the movie The Girl, uh, you see a lot of Melanie, you know, as a young girl. So I was thinking of Melanie Griffith movies for the connection just because of the being Tippi Hedren's daughter. And then I was like, well, Working Girl is obviously perfect because it has girl in the title, and uh, she has her fair share of... Um, sexual harassment mainly from kevin spacey so yeah. on brand kevin spacey <laughs> mm-hmm. perfect acting. yeah uh had you seen working girl you must have seen it since you knew there you was know it's so up. strange i i feel like i should have for sure i knew of it you know definitely but i remembered absolutely nothing about it so i kind of watched it with fresh eyes this time because i i really didn't remember if i liked it or or hardly anything about it so mm-hmm. yeah i uh this was my first time watching it and 
I actually, the thing I liked about it was I kind of had no idea where it was going. I intentionally didn't read the description of it. And, you know, I, I had seen the cast list, so I knew Harrison Ford was going to show up at some point. But um, what I liked about it was it just took the, the story and the plot took a very different direction than what I was expecting. And I didn't know what to expect as I was going. And as the movie played out, um, even as we get towards the end and uh, when Catherine returns and she says that it was actually, you know, she was working behind Tessa's back to get this deal moving along because otherwise it wouldn't have been accepted. I actually bought what Catherine was saying and I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Tess screwed up. Like she screwed up other times in this movie. She screwed up again. And um, so I just thought that the movie was very unpredictable, which I appreciated. Right. But she was not, she was lying about that. Right. right? She was like, yes. I very very quickly learned that I was wrong. Um, Yeah. uh, Kyle, who's a listener of this podcast, also my coworker, Mm -hmm. him and I were, were uh, slacking about it earlier today. And he said, yeah, she was gaslighting her. That's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which I, I, I realized that by the end of the movie, but um, it it had me, she had me going. She gaslit me for a little bit as well. I think it would have been better if that was the case. I think it would have been a more interesting story if, if she really wasn't trying to steal her idea. Yeah, but I also think that's what makes her such a compelling character is you almost start to like Sigourney Weaver's character a little bit. And so you are sort of hoping she's not going to just steal the idea. And then when she does, you're like incredibly disappointed in her as a character. You're like, damn it, I thought maybe you were going to be a good person because you almost had me. Well, because she's so charismatic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So well, and it's Sigourney Weaver, and she's just fantastic. Right. Yeah. Brennan, have you seen this movie before? You have, right? This I movie. have several times. Um, it's been a long time since I have rewatched it. Uh, there's some, I pretty much remembered it beat for beat. There are a couple of things I didn't remember. I had kind of forgotten that Tess and uh, Jack actually do have sex at a certain point, but I mm-hmm. kind of, but because I, I remember the part where they come home from the bar and they didn't do it. And I totally believe it's actually real. It was very refreshing to remember that Jack didn't take advantage of her in that scene because any other 80s movie or 90s movie probably would have had that character do that. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of refreshing to not have that happen. And then when it does happen for them later, it's totally consensual. Yeah. So I, I, I really liked that this movie sort of subverted a lot of tropes of working class not working class but business class people being awful to each other that came out in the 80s um and it sort of flipped those on its head and had our hero protagonist heroine actually like have agency and have a mind of her own and be really smart instead of just stumbling into her ideas and stumbling into winning the day she actually has a mind of her own and agency behind it and the movie doesn't really do anything to undermine that i don't think and i i I really appreciated that yeah i'm trying to think i feel like she did um yeah i don't know i feel like she definitely like when i thought that she screwed up at the end it was because she had screwed up other things during the movie um well, so, she also decided to do double tequila shots after taking a bunch of Valium, so I'm yes. not exactly that sure where her head was that time when she knew right. she had a big important meeting the next day. So I. Good point. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I think so, some of that confused me. Like when she was living in Catherine's apartment, um, and like 
pretending to be Catherine. So did her coworkers just, they were just like, yeah, go ahead and work in her office. Like nobody cared. Yeah. They just breezed by that part. I think. Yeah. yeah I, I yeah, was okay <laughs> with that. Not being, not worrying about that. I mean, that's, that's a kind of a product of because plot, you know, and that happens a lot in these sorts of movies. Well, um, and I mean, I guess at the end of the movie, her secretary or her assistant is in her office when exactly a big promotion. So maybe it's just the time I didn't work in an office in the eighties. Um, right. So maybe, maybe not every desk had a phone or. Who right. Knows. Yeah. Maybe people worked from the boss's desk. I don't know. Um, but then, like, when uh, when Tess and Joan Cusack's character are, like, going through the closet and they mm-hmm. see, like, the $6,000 dress, does she wear the $6,000 dress? Is that – I don't know. I, I was confused by some of that. She did. Didn't she wear that to the wedding? I don't know. I wasn't sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to which one it was. Okay. And, like, can, yeah, you, well, can, like, can you wear a $6,000 dress, not take the tag off, and then just hang it back up and no big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Well, I mean, I guess she had a dry cleaned, right? She had all the dry cleaning done mm-hmm. at the end. So. Hundreds of dollars of dry cleaning <laughs> in the eighties. That's, that yes. is like hundreds of dollars of dry cleaning is a lot now. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite part of this movie was the hair and the fashion, mainly yes. the bride's okay, yes. dresses. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. We need, we need to get into that because that was my first thing I wrote down on my notes is I was like, oh my God, the hair, um, mm-hmm. especially before she gets the haircut. It's just, that is big eighties hair. It was mm-hmm. amazing. And Joan Cusack's makeup the entire time. Uh, it's yeah. pretty amazing. The blue, the blue <laughs> eyeshadow is just so much. But it's uh, like it's so lot. 80s. It's yeah. perfect. It's and then we've got Alec Baldwin with his like slicked back hair and oh, yeah. his, uh, his sweater on his chest. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you, I, want to cut, <laughs> if you want to talk about the underwear and all the... Uh, oh, all yes. The, uh, <laughs> true. I guess it, it was one of those things where I think I didn't really notice it. Like, I... I it didn't really take me back, but then I, I realized how much there is a lot of lingerie in this movie. For sure. And yeah, I mean, it just it, there was a lot of skin in general. There's uh, Alec Baldwin and the naked woman that he's cheating on Tess with as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think as I was watching it, I was just kind of trying to trying to figure out like where things were going, and um. I guess I didn't realize that Jack was going to end up being dating Catherine and there was this love triangle that happens. Um, and Jack in general sort of confuses me. Like he doesn't tell Tess who he is at the beginning. And it, that, that whole thing got, got a little bit uh, messy for me. So. Yeah. I mean, I love Harrison Ford. I think you both know that, but, um, <laughs> and he was very funny in this movie. I enjoyed watching him, but his character is very strange. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. Some of the things he says to her and, and how he meets her is very weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's very odd as a romantic lead. And I think that's why we don't see him in a ton of romantic comedies. Like he's sort of a lot better used in the charismatic action guy than, the charismatic romantic lead where he because there's always something that comes across as sort of like intentionally or unintentionally creepy about him whether it's there in the writing or not and i think that definitely happened with this where you're like why are you lying there's no reason for you to be lying and now you're just sort of playing dumb or are you actually dumb and i don't i don't really like that with harrison ford where he's sort of like he he does this aw shucks dumb thing in movies like this and when he's wooing Kelly McGillis in Witness, where he gets this sort of like, I'm just a dumb 
romantic lead look on his face and i don't really know where that comes from and i don't think it works really well for him i think that's like his just his care his charisma though um and what what it was with this movie i felt like was he's and you even commented this brendan that like every guy in this movie is terrible oh except yeah. him um, and he's still a little bit terrible because right. he cheats on Catherine less, with her right but so he's less terrible than everybody else right um and so, you know, I thought that, like, he, towards the end of the movie, like, he doesn't want to let Catherine down. He didn't want to mm-hmm. break her heart because she had a broken leg. But, yeah, and, and in the meantime, he's fallen in love with Tess during this Exactly. Movie. So it's like, even he's not perfect. He's very flawed as a uh, as a romantic lead, for sure. So. I just don't think they had very good chemistry, though, either. Like, he, had his, he was amazing in Witness with Kelly McGillis. Mm-hmm. I thought they had great chemistry, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy the relationship you know between him and Tess I think that's I would, uh, yeah I would say in general I didn't think um Melanie Griffith was very good in this movie I just I there was something odd about her portrayal um I love Sigourney Weaver in this I thought she was she just had this like great terrible boss energy mm-hmm. and you could see why she could get people to agree to different deals just because of the way that she uh the way she interacted with people and so I thought she was great I thought Harrison Ford was good um, but I didn't think Mountie Griffith really brought that much in this role, but maybe she was supposed to be sort of awkward. She's just like, yeah, awkward to me. I mean, because she has a lot of naive, naivete, naivete as a character. And I think mm-hmm. that comes across really well. Um, and it also comes across really well for her as a performer where she sort of has these ideas, but needs someone to help her with the self-confidence part of it. And throughout right. the movie, she gets more and more confident in herself, which is well. Great. She's like an overachiever too, right? Yeah, At the she's also of the movie. She's going overachiever. to all these different classes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and her best friend is is trying to get her to to loosen up and and go party mm. and things like that. I didn't buy her in this movie at all. I, I thought she was really annoying. I don't like the way she talks or her voice <laughs> and how she's always like chewing her mouth. And she was nominated for an Academy Award for this. Uh, for this movie was not, were nominated yeah, the movie was too, nominated yeah. for Best Picture. Can you believe that? Yep. Only and uh, Best Comedy <laughs> Best Comedy at uh, Golden Globes. It won Best Song for Let the Rivers Run. That deserved it. it. That song yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but my main thing with her, actually, and it's always bothered me ever since the first time I saw this, is the way she says when she's getting off the elevator and he's like, how did you come up with the idea? And she's like, Trask, radio, Trask, radio. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I did what like the payoff. That the way that she came up with this idea <laughs> was so because simple. she was reading the like gossip magazine. Yeah, she was reading a gossip magazine. And she was like, Trask, radio. What? Okay. Uh, yeah, I did not look at the Academy. I had no idea this movie yeah. was nominated for any Academy Awards. Uh, yeah. And Sigourney yeah. Weaver was nominated this year for Gorilla. Oh, she was nominated also for Catherine Parker, but she was also yeah. no- she was double nominated. It. Double nominated in the Best Supporting Actress category. Wait, Joan Cusack was nominated for her role in this. She was barely or, in this at movie. least for the Golden Globes. Yeah. Yeah, for Supporting Actress. Yep. That's, I, so <laughs> I made the problem in. with this movie yeah. that I make a lot of times with the Cusacks is that I see the credits, Jay Cusack, and I always assume it's the other one. So I was like, when I started this movie, I was like, oh, I wonder who John Cusack is going to play in this movie. And then I see Joan Cusack right at the beginning. I was like, oh, I guess they're both in it. Then I realized I just misread the cast list. <laughs> I loved her. I thought she was yeah. really good. Yeah, but I just don't think she was in the Yeah. Yeah. Like, enough to be nominated. Um, 
Oscars are crazy. Yeah, this this is wild. This was nominated for <laughs> Best Picture. Yep. It's nominated for Best Director. Uh, let's see. No no actors were nominated. Alec, oh, no, Alec Guinness, not Alec Baldwin. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, Melody. It was a weird year, man. Yeah, all of <laughs> the female leads were nominated. Uh, yep. But it didn't I win think, it, yeah. except the song. Yeah. So. This movie seemed to be, like, really highly regarded at the it time. Was really it was, like, a huge, like, empowering, inspirational statement for women. But yeah. I, I personally don't see it that way <laughs> yeah some so. of our we're gonna have some better yay women in business movies come up later that i the uh in connections that i think hold up better than this movie yeah i still think this is a delightful romantic comedy but it's you're right it doesn't hold up as well as um some of the other movies from around the same time in the 80s but i still think See, it i has felt a, differently i felt like this actually like seemed kind of ahead of its time for a movie coming out in 1988. Like it definitely, you know, falls into some tropes, but I thought, you know, it could have had a lot more um, kind of sleaziness and just cheapness. And I thought it actually like overall, I I liked what it did. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, Molly, I'd be, I'd be interested in in your perspective as, as being our working girl correspondent here. (laughs) Um, Like, do you think that this tackles some women in the workplace issues that weren't being talked about in 1988? I mean, I, I like the beginning parts, you know, where she doesn't put up with anybody's crap. You know, she keeps getting reassigned mm-hmm. and, you know, calls out Oliver Platt mm-hmm. and in front of everybody. That stuff mm-hmm. is good, but I just don't buy her character. And then I really don't like the whole fact that, you know, there's only the other woman who is apparently successful and smart has to then steal her idea. So like, why does she have to, you know, steal her idea just to get ahead? Mm-hmm. Don't we trust that Sigourney Weaver is already successful enough that she doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't buy Melanie Griffith as, as being, you know, that person that would. I think I, I worry uh, Melanie Griffith might be a little over her head on her new job. Um, Cause yeah. she, sure. She had this one really great idea, and it reminded me of, like, that episode of Seinfeld where George yeah. starts the job and has no idea what he's supposed to be yeah. doing. I think it's Cooter right. Industries. The Penske uh, file. Or Penske, yeah. And, we'll and he just that shows Penske up. Out. Yeah, and he has no idea what he's supposed to do. That's well, what the end of this movie reminded me of, because I'm yeah, not quite sure, sure what Tess is going to do in the future. I don't know what she's going to do in that back corner office. Like, yeah. that is that is boss-level office. I also of- felt that the yeah. end of this movie, when she walks in and her secretary is sitting in her, or, sorry, her mm. assistant is sitting in her office, and then there's like ten minutes of misunderstanding. It felt like where she, where yeah. I was very quickly was like, okay, yeah, that's her assistant, that's her actual office. Like clearly, she's not the secretary now; she's the boss. Right. And um, and it took so long to get there, and then like her delivery at the end that she's like the cool boss. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like that's we didn't need that much time to get there. Um, yeah, I guess I just I also didn't like the fact that, you know, Harrison Ford is truly the one who ends up like saving the day in the end, kind of right. Like she was just willing to she was yeah. willing to, yeah, just keep to let it go. She didn't really fight too hard, I don't think, at that meeting when Catherine was lying. And right. and I know she was embarrassed, but I just feel like you have the smart, selfish, you know, bitchy woman and then you have the sexy, you know, innocent blonde woman and it just seems a little you know <laughs> yeah it, seemed, it was written by a man directed by a man and mm. also uh i don't know if you guys noticed but at the end of the movie um who is listed first in the credits 
Oh, it was at the beginning, too. Yeah, Harrison, Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford Harrison first. Ford is the star of this movie. He doesn't show up until 35 minutes into the movie. So it's yeah. like, so. come on. <laughs> it could, yeah, I just feel like it could have been yeah. done better, but mm-hmm. I've seen it. Yeah, I did. I did think the very end of this movie actually was very depressing because the way that she's in her office, right, and then the camera pans out and she's just like one window in like a giant office yeah. with all these other people in their office. And I don't know if that yeah. was the statement it was trying to make, but I was like, oh yeah, like white collar, forty hour a week life, like it's very boring. Yay. You're just like, but it's also sort of a number mixed in a box. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's like, oh, yay, she has this awesome job, but what it turns out to be is maybe she's just another drone in this exactly. giant office building. Yeah, and that's that's actually pretty depressing. Yeah. yeah. It, it sort of reminded me of the end of Men in Black when they pull yeah. out, and then you see that the globe is just like a uh, marble that the aliens are playing with. <laughs> <laughs> or she'll probably have to deal with plenty more sexual harassment issues right. throughout exactly. her career. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Kevin Spacey. She outed Kevin Spacey's character. Good job. That's the only yeah. that's the That only is how this movie is ahead of its time. Time. Yes. Right. Um, okay. So as I'm looking at movies yep. from this year, I'm seeing Big also came out the same year, was also nominated yep. for a bunch of Oscars. Yep. And so, Molly, I'll put this to you. Who did a better job faking their job? Josh Baskin in Big oh. or Tess in Working Girl? See, but Josh wasn't really faking. Like, he was just being himself in a grown man's body, and they all loved it. So that's a great that, point. That's a, yeah. And I think that's perfect, too, because. You know, it is somebody kind of pretending to be someone that they're not to get ahead or whatever, which is a trope in a lot of movies. But mm-hmm. if if it's funny and the dialogue is good and the characters are good and it, mm-hmm. it gives you, you know, a, a good feeling overall, I'm willing to overlook all those other cliches. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really find this funny and I didn't like the characters or the dialogue. So Uh-oh. it just kind of, you know, so I big is is a lot better than this. Yeah, Big is definitely better. Um, <laughs> Big is a better movie than this. Um, I actually I, did think it had some funny parts. I wrote down, so I always write down, you know, the quote I want to start the movie off with. And I'm pretty sure I messed up the quote. I think I wrote down bod in my notes and it's body. I don't know why I shortened it by one letter. My notes. But I wrote down like five or six lines that I thought were really funny in this um, in this movie. And there were moments that I laughed at. Um, the guy who didn't have toilet paper randomly at the beginning of the movie I thought was mm-hmm. funny. Um and when she's pushing around the dumplings in a COVID way, it made me like really cringe because she's sweating all over the food. But uh-huh. like, I thought that was like just such like she has this great idea, like, oh, we're going to have dim sum, which at the time it's like, ooh, this like very exotic food, yeah. like steamed dumplings. And then it turns out that that causes her to sweat. And, uh, and then oh, and then there's a line in that same scene where uh, Catherine says, what did she say? T- Today's junior prick is tomorrow's senior partner. Mm-hmm. Like. I thought I just thought some of the writing in this was actually pretty sharp. Uh, some of those lines. Yeah, I, I I agree. I thought it was I thought it was sharp. I thought it um played with a little idea a lot of ideas and jokes and tropes in ways that hadn't been done to that point, or at least hadn't in a rom com like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I really appreciated it for that. I do think there are things that probably didn't age very well, you know, but or or age perfectly like Kevin Spacey and the sexual harassment. <laughs> right. Um, but didn't age well, like the, you know, the the over over sexualization, even when not trying to, of Melanie Griffith's character. And then as as Molly pointed out, which is a good point, of the why does the other powerful woman in this movie have to be the antagonist or the enemy? Like, I mean, you know, they, they could have both been powerful and successful and you know, one wins out without making it making her a total B-I-T-C-H word. 
yeah, I, I actually was kind of surprised as you talk about that too, that the villain of this movie didn't end up coming back to Kevin Spacey's character. Like he's mm-hmm. just a creep who tries yeah. to sexually assault her in the back of a limo. Yeah. And then you don't hear from him again during the movie. Like you would, I'm kind of surprised he wasn't like an arbiter during that business meeting at the end. Um, where they didn't tie his character back in somehow. Perfectly fine with that one, right? <laughs> yeah. But speaking of cr- uh, the cringeworthy uh, bathroom mm-hmm. moments, what about the wedding when Harrison Ford comes out of the bathroom stall yes. and oh, does yeah. not wash his hands? Does not wash his, his hands. his hand in his mouth. And that, oh. that was way worse than this. Oh, than some. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did write that down as well. Yeah. Uh, no, there's... I find myself lately actually reacting to like COVID unsafe things way more than uh-huh. I was over the last couple. I think like with cases going way up now, yeah. uh, I just like when I see like even when I just like see people together with no masks on on TV, I'm kind of like taken aback, and then I'm like, oh wait a second, this is a movie. This is yeah, from yeah. 19. This is from whatever. Um, I- I did really like in the wedding scene when Harrison Ford goes to the bar and gets a drink and he grabs two yes. rum punches <laughs> and just like kills the first one. It was I loved that. that yeah, I did write that down too. The, like, the look on his big face, big wedding energy. Yeah, yeah the, the look on his face when he's drinking it was really funny. I've been yeah. that guy at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also thought Tess's coworkers at the very end when she mm-hmm. gets fired. Like I just wonder how they're all very wild looking. Like each of them had such a distinct look and it was so like. None of them just were in like normal like business clothes. They had like crazy makeup or their hair was wild. Like it, I don't know if it was the eighties or if what. But I just worked out all her coworkers are just like wild looking. Well, right, that is a good point. That she, why does she need Sigourney Weaver to tell her that maybe she should cut down on her jewelry or change mm-hmm. her hair? Like I think she could have probably picked up on that. You know, she would know that, <laughs> right. that her look is a little more right. like heavy metal video than than corporate attire well and that's hard to know because i was like well i mean in 1988 was this just like the style especially in like new york city Mm -hmm. wall street did people dress like this or is it like was it intentionally did she dress intentionally bad i mean i guess so well i mean we we might find out with if we there are a couple connections where we could choose that have some big hair in the 80s like this one so we can find out how big it really gets yeah. There is a hundred percent very big hair. Trust yeah, me. I know. <laughs> my my mom had giant hair in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a real thing, but it was a like real thing. I yeah, I feel like she would she'd be hip enough to understand, you know, to tone down her look if she wanted to. Yeah, I mean, which is why she gets the princess die cut. Yeah. You know. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically the princess Diana cut, right? That like mm-hmm. she gets it's like a short pa- sure. almost pixie, but not really like Is that manic pixie or just regular pixie? It's a, uh, I was trying to think of an English word for manic and I couldn't. Yeah. Um, I did notice actually, I feel like Melanie Griffith's face looks similar to Sigourney Weaver's face. Like there were times when I almost thought that they might've like CG, I mean, they wouldn't CGI back then, but like, I was like, is this supposed to be Sigourney Weaver's face on? Like they look very similar in the face. Did you guys, either of you pick up on that? No. No, I think it's, I think maybe you're just. <laughs> Maybe they're face scared. blind. I don't know. I, I, it, was, it was weird. Like, they don't but, look alike, but I just thought there were times. I think, I think that's a side weird. effect of the part where she's probably becoming more professional and not behaving like herself. You I don't know, know. it to... was just it's I, it's very hard to describe. Um, hmm. but I was I, too I busy being annoyed by Melanie Griffith chewing on her lips all the time. So oh, and I didn't I didn't even pick <laughs> her right on her lips. I'll have to rewatch it. All right, so did you guys have anything else before we get to feedback and connections on this movie? I um, There was one other thing I wanted to point out, but I'll, I'll see if you guys have anything else. Um, 
So Molly, my favorite uh, my, before I before I let Molly do the final wrap up for <laughs> general thoughts. Um, my favorite part about this movie is basically this movie doing what the Tom Clancy book book to movies do later, which is the uh, main person giving up Alec Baldwin for Harrison Ford. <laughs> like Hunt for Red October went from Alec Baldwin to Harrison Ford in Patriot Games. What year was Hunt for Red October? 91, I think. Oh, okay, so that's yeah. all after this. So they got, yeah. maybe they got the casting idea from what? They got the casting idea for the Tom Clancy novels from this movie. <laughs> was Al Bublin in this before Beetlejuice or after? Uh, The year after, right? Wasn't Beetlejuice 87? Um, yeah. This was 88. This was 88. I should I should remember that because we say the, the year for the movies. Um, I guess that's our Yeah, Beetlejuice before this. Um. I feel like Alec Baldwin looks way more 80s in this movie than he did in Beetlejuice. For sure, yeah. He looks so different. <laughs> yeah, he does. He already is starting to look a little chunkier. But then he's going to be in Hunt for October a couple years after this. Also so, true, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Malice yes. and a couple things in between, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think that all the relationship and him cheating on her and then her, like, kind of instantly forgiving him, like, Two days later, did that seem like realistic to you at all? Did she forgive him? <laughs> I, I well, kind she of. Did. She felt sorry for him. She, you know, she but went to the I party. I think part of that was she was also feeling sorry for herself because things weren't going very well for her with her new job, and so she thought that she she thought that Mick is what she deserved. So I think yeah, that, I think that was how I took that. That was that was, that was more how I took it was that she didn't think she she was starting to feel like maybe she didn't deserve to have a better life than the one she currently had. So maybe she should go back to Mick yeah. was the way I took it. Okay. And then after that, when does he, then he proposes to her a little bit after that, right? Yeah. And she rejects him like, because she's got the confidence at that point. Right. Of and like, then no, I don't she's... have to settle for this bullshit life. And then at the, then the wedding, mm-hmm. then um, Joan Cusack's wedding, that's where she sees Mick with the girlfriend. And that's after Correct. Propo- she proposes, she he... turns him down and yeah. then, and then yeah. that happens. When they came running out of the church at first, I thought Mick was marrying Joan Cusack. And I was like, wait, where did that come from? <laughs> I was very confused at first. Um, yeah, I'll just say I really liked the scene when Catherine breaks her leg and she goes flying off the ski oh, yeah. slope. And it was just like so slapstick. <laughs> she just yeah. like all of a sudden goes flying. Um, and I'm glad I hadn't read the description because the description says that she uh, breaks her leg. So had I had I not seen that. Um, also, when when Catherine comes back, I just thought Catherine was great. I know she's the villain, mm-hmm. but uh, she really was like the standout character in this movie for me. Absolutely. If anyone deserved an award, I think it was Scorny Weaver yeah. for this. Like movie. when she gets off the helicopter and she's just immediately demanding and like throws the big teddy bear at Tess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like all of her lines, like I was trying to write down stuff that she said and she was talking so fast and um, like giving demands. So I thought that was good. Yeah, I probably rooted for her more than Tess, which is a, probably a bad thing to say, but I think it's just due to the portrayal by Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, Do you think Catherine's career is over after this? Do you think Trask ruined Catherine's career? Um, no, no, she'll find a way to bounce back. She's she's Catherine Parker. Oh, the other thing, <laughs> this movie made me feel so old because the boss <laughs> is 30 years old, and like I know that like part of it is that Tess is older than Catherine. But, like, both of them are younger than me. And I was just like, oh, man, they're, like, successful Wall Street executives. Yeah. And I just I was like, oh, what, am I, what have I accomplished yeah. in my life? Yeah. I don't think it's 100% realistic, so. Yeah, fair. 
Yeah. I don't think they looked younger than me, I will say. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that could be part of it, yeah. Part Everyone of the looked older in the 80s, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Lots, yep. lots more uh, cocaine and, uh, and cigarettes. Also true. And you also had people in their 20s and 30s playing high schoolers, so. Yeah, exactly. Great. Hey, great Look job. at you, karate kid. Um, all right, Molly, what do you, what else do you have on this movie before we move on? Oh, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I guess, um, I guess I just had a lot of issues with it and had I just enjoyed watching it more and the performances more then I would forgive those, but. Okay. Here's a good question. This is your first time being on a podcast. Did you find it different watching a movie to prepare for a podcast than had you just thrown this on, on a, on a Sunday afternoon? Um, I did probably a little more, yeah, research, you know, just thinking about it and seeing, I mean, there's a lot of positive reviews that, you know, it is, it is a pretty, um, well-loved movie. So mm-hmm. there's a few, seems like a hot take, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is like a beloved movie. I hadn't, I had never seen it, but I just always feel like I hear people talking about working girl and mm-hmm. I tried to look, I was like, did a podcast I wa- I follow, like talk about this movie recently? I didn't find anything. I thought maybe like the rewatchables might have covered this, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why I had this movie that like it was a beloved movie. Um, this this movie definitely kicked off an era between like 88 and 95, 96 of workplace rom-coms mm-hmm. that I think it sort of paved the way for a lot of movies that came out in the late 80s, early 90s, like, you know, like Pretty Woman, like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, like you know, movies like that, where they're sort of workplace comedies with a massive twist, you know, and so I, I think it, I think it definitely is more beloved because it was seen as being the first in a And because it won all these, or it was so, nominated yeah. for all these Academy Awards yeah. also. So, um, yeah, two other points that I'm going to just touch on before we mm-hmm. jump into feedback. Uh, the first is I noticed that Catherine's character is in red throughout the movie a lot. Um, and I, so I think that's just, you know, I'm always looking at colors and probably just like a power thing, but, um, the color red on Catherine more than anybody mm-hmm. else. I noticed that, um, I think her cast was even red, I believe. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to point out also is we touched on it and you'll hear it here at the beginning of the podcast, but that Carly Simon song is awesome. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that song. Yeah. I mean, it won best, uh, best song at the Oscars for a reason. I mean, it was, it's a really, really solid song. And it's also the debut of the song. I'm so excited. It's where this. Movie oh, really? It's playing. playing uh, yeah. So. so yeah, there's, it's really solid. Yeah. It's got a really good soundtrack. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, let's see what we got for feedback and ratings from people. And then that might spur some other discussion. So, uh, Jeff, wrote in he said it's good movie great cast the makeup and hairstyles at the time are hilarious back in 1988 when it came out i don't remember thinking they were that bad which makes it even funnier now for younger viewers the the story may seem far-fetched but back then it was pretty realistic i remember feeling like it was an important story to tell back in the 80s a woman finds her way to break through the glass ceiling and it still feels that way in spite of the gains women have made that there is still a long ways to go in my opinion I really enjoyed the rewatch of this, and I give it four stars. So that's four stars from Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's sort of what we were getting around is that it does break the glass ceiling in a lot of ways for mo- for both movies made about that genre and the way women were breaking the glass ceiling in business in the '80s, like mm-hmm. like Tess does in this movie. 
But I think yeah. at the end of the day, it's got a mixed, as we said, it's got a mixed message about breaking that glass ceiling because of the final zoom out at the end. I don't know. If that, like, I mean, I, I'm curious know. if he meant it like that, but that's definitely how I read it. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I think that's a, it gets interesting to read. It but out. also she has to pretend to be somebody she's not and mm. kind of lie the entire time to, to get, get there too. So. Yeah. In order but do you to think break that's it, yeah. just her or do you think that's kind of everybody in this world has to lie to get ahead? And has to do sleazy stuff to get ahead. Because it's not like there's anybody that we see that's just like getting by without having to cut corners, without having to go off of their merit. I mean, we have like uh, Oliver Platt's character is pimping her out. And um, it doesn't seem like Jack was cutting any corners until he met her. To be right. But the first thing we the first thing we have with Jack is he's lying. The first first scene with Jack, he lies to her and doesn't tell her who he is. So how do we know how Jack? I don't know. Like. It seems like everybody in this world is cutting corners. I just feel like in the similar movies, like you root more for the main character when they're like being true to themselves, you know, and mm-hmm. being who they are, regardless of what the circumstances are. That's and true. so when they succeed, you like root for them more, I mm-hmm. guess. Then. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were never rooting for her in this movie. No, I'm sorry. She just <laughs> she just annoyed me. Oh, Tess. Tess, you're done. Uh, <laughs> you blew it, Tess. You blew the big deal. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, speaking of workplace, uh, my coworker Kyle is—he uh, rated it a 3.5. He didn't send in any feedback, but um, he was—he—he okay. he did—he was slacking with me at work today and telling me that uh, how much gaslighting there was. That it was definition gaslighting by Catherine. So that can be his feedback. There you go. So uh, Nolan Rossiter wrote in and he said, "Movie was pretty average. I like Harrison Ford doing his H Ford thing. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is a great villain." Uh, she reminded him of Anne Hathaway in Ocean's 8 with how stuck up she was, and the hair was distracting. So Nolan gives it 2.5 stars. Um, Jim Crumley said, Working Girl was much better than I thought it would be and has the best Melanie Griffith performance that I can think of right now. Oh, wow, Jim. Um, giving it 4.5, or 4 out of 5. So yeah, Jim is very high on this movie. Um, I'm going to out Jim Crumley as saying uh, earlier today, Jim Crumley said Home Alone is not a Christmas movie, which is the most insane thing. All right, I've... throw out his feedback and his score. He's out. <laughs> well, do you think Home Alone is a Christmas movie? Sure. Yeah, sure. definitely. It's yeah. like 100%. Apparently Bill Simmons said that earlier today, and then Jim said he agreed with Bill Simmons. Um, Jim, no, it's a Christmas movie. All right, and then Olin gave it three out of five. And he said, uh, watchable without being spectacular, not particularly funny or dramatic. Melanie Griffith is good at balancing her various personas and liked uh, some of her female crew as well. Did like how it started off as being about sexism in the the workplace and then moved to a more class element in the Sigourney Weaver office. Uh, Thought there was going to be a big reveal at some stage that Ford knew what Griffith was up to. And maybe that Weaver had put him up to it to keep him close to her. Uh, the big coincidences and relationships just made it seem kind of implausible. Did like seeing at the end that there was a sh- that there was Schmidt from about from New Girl in the office full of women. Um, I don't I haven't watched New Girl. Do either either of you watch New Girl? I have no idea what that means. I think I'm there's a character a named guy. Schmidt from New Girl. Okay. Molly, have you watched New Girl? Um, I've started watching it. So yeah, he is the only. He's just one of the the core four or whatever. Oh, got it. Oh, okay. Um, so I, Schmidt would have been nine years old. The character who plays Schmidt would have been nine years old. So I'm assuming it's the like character of Schmidt. He's, I think he means type. Yeah, the character. Yeah, that yeah. type. Not not the actual guy who plays Schmidt. Right. Um, 
Apparently there's a there's a new girl podcast. If you're watching New Girl, you can listen along to this new girl podcast. New girl Olga. Yeah, new yeah it's called New Olga. Oh, do you listen to New Girl Olga? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm nice. a fan. Okay. Uh, and he said, uh, given our recent Hitchcock Hedron trio of uh, films, I did enjoy the line, who the fuck died and made you Grace Kelly? Yes, that was great. That was mm-hmm. good to see Grace Kelly right. in there. Uh, not sure if it was an in-joke, but certainly calls back to what Hitchcock effectively tried to do with Griffith's mother, Tippi Hedren, as well as some, several mm-hmm. other actresses post-Grace Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, it did seem like that was intentional to have that in there. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because, I mean, nobody's talking about Grace Kelly in the 80s, really. So it's definitely an, an intentional right. reference. So, uh, so that's three from Olin out of five. So, so uh, that's going to average us to a 3.4 from the listeners. All right. Uh, Molly, do you want to go first or last with your rating? Or you um, I, can, if you want. I can go first. I'm I'm going to give it two, two and a half stars. Two and a half. Yeah. All I right. just, you know, you know all my reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't, hit rewind and listen again. Um, <laughs> what would have made it higher for you? Is there something they could have changed to have made it get a better score for you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a different actress, for sure. Maybe mm-hmm. even just, you know... I'm not saying that men can't write for women, but it's just, you know, a lot of these other similar stories, like, mm-hmm. I feel are just done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there may be a little bit more realistic female perspective, I guess. Do you think a remake of this movie would be good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Very good idea. Who would you cast as the lead? Do you have anybody in mind? Well, you could do Dakota Johnson if you want. Ah, yes. I, I actually like her a lot better than Melanie Griffith. I I, I like her as an mm-hmm. actress. Mm-hmm. They did make a working girl TV show a few years after this movie that did not last, but had Sandra Bullock in the test role. I feel like so. Sandra Bullock would be good in the Catherine role. Maybe, maybe now, but probably not in the... Oh, like in 1990 then. when it was made, probably mm-hmm. she probably works better as Tess back then. Um, but yeah, no, she'd be a great Catherine now for sure. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so while I'm talking, let me go ahead and give my final rating for this. I'm sort of the polar opposite of where Molly is, and I feel bad for being as high on it as I am, but I don't know why. <laughs> um, I, I feel I I still think this movie holds up really well as a classic and genre-shaping rom-com. Um, I think Sigourney Weaver gives a bang-out performance as um, Catherine Parker. I, I like Harrison Ford, despite his sort of derpiness as a romantic lead. Um, I, I do like Melanie Griffith's performance for the most part. Um, I agree she's got like some weird quirkiness that doesn't really work for me. Um, a lot of the times, like the way she says Trask Radio, I don't what that is you really hate that line um, i just hate that line hate so that much line because it doesn't it doesn't make any sense as a climactic big moment it's like such a like whimper of a climax for me or as a resolution to this issue it's like eh. but otherwise i think i think the movie does really well at um at having her be her own person and facing what it probably was like to be a female work in the business world at that time with showing all of the challenges that she faced. Um, I think it does really well with all of that um, as far as, as much as it can for having 
a male director and a um, male writer, as you said. Um, but I, I still think this is a 4.0. I think I probably, last time I watched this and in my original memories of this, probably would have had it higher. But um, I still think it's I still think it's a really, really great movie, and I would recommend it to anyone who loves rom-coms, especially rom-coms from the 80s. Um, I think it's a solid 4.0 for me. Um, so I am uh, right in line with the listeners. I'm a 3.5 on this. Um, I I actually really enjoyed it, though. Um, and I just think, like, the 3.5 really comes from some of the stuff that just happened that didn't quite make sense. I really didn't care about the Trask deal at all. Anytime they were talking about the Trask deal, I really tuned out. Um, mm. And But I thought yeah, it did. It just did more than I was expecting. Um, I thought, like I said, the, it was very, like, the lines were, there were some very quotable lines in this. Um, and I... I yeah it went unexpected places and yeah I really enjoyed myself watching this so um I'll give it a 3.5 I don't know if I would ever go back and rewatch this movie probably not mm-hmm. um also I just think the opening was great too like it opens with that song we see the Staten Island ferry and it just made me like want to go visit New York City which that's I something we didn't really talk about much this is a really great New York City movie mm-hmm. as far as showing the way people walk around New York the way people move around New York the way people drive around New York it's got it's got a really great New York vibe to it, and I I really appreciated that. It made me feel right at home. Like I don't think they filmed this outside of New York as far as the New York scenes went. I think they actually did film it in New York, and if they didn't, they did a really good job making me feel like it was New York. Yeah. So uh, yeah, three point five for me. Uh, so it looks like with that, what is our average going to be, Brendan? It's going to be a three point three five, which we can bump up to a three point five for the purposes of letter boxing. Yeah. Um, and we haven't talked about connections. So, um, Molly, did you have any any big connections that you caught? I mean, there's a lot, obviously. Um, what connections did you catch, I guess, is the better way to phrase this, to um, last week's movie and other movies? I mean, yeah, to last week's movie, obviously, Melanie Griffith and mm-hmm. um, Grace Kelly call out. Um, the most interesting one I found to a previous movie was uh, My Cousin Vinny. Because Marissa Tomei actually won the Best Supporting Actress mm. Academy Award, and she plays a uh, New York, oh, yeah. know, a New York character with a thick accent. So big hair, an out of work hairdresser, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Joan Cusack <laughs> is nominated for Best Supporting Actress mm. with also an accent. So apparently the Oscars love uh, women with yeah. big hair and New York accents. Yes, either that <laughs> or like big weight gains or weight loss, and you will get nominated. One or the for other, sure. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I also, uh, so for connections to last week, I put down sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, I also noticed there was a split shot in this movie um, when Tess is going back into Catherine's apartment towards the end of the movie and is trying to avoid Jack, which I actually thought was a yeah. pretty tense scene. Um, we do get that split shot with the wall in the middle. So we mm-hmm. saw that a couple times in Hitchcock movies, and I think we also saw it in The Girl last week. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay. Um, the movie in general kind of reminded me of Shampoo, the love triangle, the big hair, yeah. uh, the haircut scene as well. So there was a lot of shampoo. Um, there's even a quote, want to be taken seriously, you need serious hair. I feel like mm-hmm. they could have said that in Shampoo. Yeah, definitely that Shampoo line there. Oh. Um, and I mean, obviously, all of our New York movies that we've watched so far connect to this in basic the basic New York way as far as like trains and cars and taxis and buildings and yeah. 
um, birthday. There's doors. a significant birthday in this movie as well. Well, yeah, there is a significant birthday. We've had birthdays a couple times. Uh, yeah, with sliding doors. So I don't know if this is what you were getting at, but uh, Tess walks in on her boyfriend with another woman, which yep. is sliding doors. Um, yep. As well, like you could probably say that Catherine flying off the um, ski slope is a sliding doors moment. For sure. For sure. Um, and obviously we have Harrison Ford in Apocalypse Now, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Witness. Uh, what else? Am I missing anything? No. Uh, not with Harrison Ford, but we got Alec Baldwin and Beetlejuice. Uh, yes, the Eric Baldwin. Yes. Yes. And uh, Joan Cusack was in something that we... High Fidelity. Yeah, she was in High Fidelity. Yes, that yep. was it. She also plays the best friend in High Fidelity and gets very upset. Um, mm-hmm. She's very good in that. Um, uh, what else? Are There's we... also uh, Timothy Carhart, who's one of the mm-hmm. Bat guys. He was in the background when Trask yeah. at the end of the movie with Trask. Uh, he's also in Witness. But yeah, I, he this is one of those people who looks really familiar to me, and I'm not yeah. sure exactly what it's from. But yeah, um, so we should shout out a few of the Bat guys in this movie that either have come up before or probably will in future movies. Obviously, we talked about Oliver Platt. Uh, Zach Grenier is a consummate that guy. He's been in a million things. Um, most recently, he was the security officer in Devs, the Hulu show, Dev, show Devs. Um, but he's been in a million movies. And then he, uh, Oliver Platt's buddy in the opening scenes that is Tess's other antagonist along with Oliver Platt is played by Jeffrey Nordling who was most recently Gordon on Big Little Lies, uh, Laura Dern's husband, mm. on that. And he was also Larry Moss in season seven of 24. So um, he's also season a, seven or 24. I don't either. But I I did my research and that was the most other notable role So mm-hmm. I for him. But I wanted to shout him out because he's a that guy as well. Um, who else do we got? Uh, Olivia Dukakis as... The HR rep is also isn't she also the HR rep in um Beetlejuice? Is that I the same actress? I don't think so. I think it just looks like her. It just, it just yeah, looks I like her. I think that's okay. her. Okay. Cool. Um. I, yeah. What? Which? What, what actress was that? Uh, uh, Olivia Dukakis. She is. Uh, yeah. Um. She did look familiar though, and I'm not. Yeah, sure. she did, and she's been in a million things. Um. Steel played, Magnolias, I think. She's in Steel Magnolias. She played. Magnolias. She, played Magnolias. she played Frank Sinatra's mom. Uh, in the 1990 made-for-TV Sinatra movie. Um, what else was she in? Is she in Moonstruck? She, she is, is in Moonstruck. Moonstruck. But she, see, yeah. she's in all these movies I haven't seen. She's in yeah, both. And she's, look, she's in the whole Look Who's Talking franchise as well. Yeah, all three exactly. of them. But yeah, I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, movies. she's been in a million things. She's she's really cool. Um, let's see. Yeah. Did uh, I have any other that guys or that gals? Uh, Nora Dunn. I'm sorry. Ricky Nora Lake? Dunn and Ricky Lake. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk show host Ricky Lake. Uh, Nora Dunn from Saturday Night Live is in this as one of the secretaries. Um, who else? Did we have anybody else? I think that was about. Uh, well, Duchovny, David Duchovny is a that guy. We did count David Duchovny. Uh, we did talk about Duchovny briefly. None of us saw him, but because um, he's in the cast list. Um, and uh, the only other connection I wrote down as well is just bathroom encounters. There were two mm-hmm. awkward bathroom encounters in this. We seem to pick movies with bathroom encounters. Top Gun has that. <laughs> and um, trains. And trains, yeah. Oh, trains and also and speaking of Top Gun, this the main song from this movie, so the uh, mm-hmm. the Carly Simon song, it, they use it in the score throughout the movie, which mm-hmm. reminded me a lot of Top Gun, how they use Take My Breath Away throughout and the movie. And weren't they both nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars? Oh, probably. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So... We like picking movies that have really prominent songs that get nominated for awards. Yeah. 
Sounds um all right. Well, yeah, overall, um, I mean, yeah. got a 3.5, but I do think this was an interesting one to talk about. It's an interesting mm-hmm. one I don't think I ever would have revisited. So uh, thank you for suggesting it, Molly. I think it was a good one. Oh, good. Good. Um, yeah, it was interesting for me to watch it, too. Like I said, I, I didn't remember anything about it. So I guess mm-hmm. I learned that I just don't like Melanie Griffith. <laughs> Sorry, not personally. Not personally. No, I, I mean, yeah, maybe general. personally. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know if in general I've – and I have a couple Melanie Griffith – well, one Melanie mm-hmm. Griffith movie on my list. Uh, but I don't think I've really watched her in anything. Like, I'm looking through her filmography. And... Yeah. I mean, I really only know her from one other movie, and it's one that used to be on HBO all the time that – might even be the same movie you're thinking of. I think it is. Yeah. I have a feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> and apparently she was in The Disaster Artist. I do not know who yeah, she was. Yeah. Oh, she was the mom. She was the in the um. Wasn't didn't she? Wasn't she the actress that played the mom in the film the Making one of the, the Room? Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. The um, I can't, and I have cancer. That, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. The breast cancer woman. Yeah. yeah. Breast cancer. Oh, I definitely have cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Hmm. All right, well, uh, Melanie Griffith, maybe we'll see you again uh, right. next week. Let's see. Let's let's go on to our suggestions That's and right. see what we're going to be picking next week. Of course, uh, once we do pick our movie, if you have feedback on that movie or once you do watch it, uh, tweet at us at LadderMovie. You also can email us, themovieladder at gmail.com. And each week we update our Letterboxd watch list with all the movies that are suggested. I think we have a lot of them this week, so – uh, there will be a lot that we'll be adding to that watch list. So if you're looking for something to watch, check out on Letterboxd. Check out that watch list for At Ladder Movie and you find out. Um, all right. So uh, we will go through all of our listeners sent in suggestions. And the three of us will each give our suggestion. And since there's three of us here tonight, we'll just pick one movie each to advance to the finals. Sounds good. So, um, and uh, just as a sneak peek, we have some really good ones on this list. Absolutely. So, All right. So Jeff, uh, he wrote in. And he said, hidden figures, women mm-hmm. who are held back primarily because they're a woman, and in this case, also because they are black. He's also sent in a league of their own. Same connection as hidden figures, mm-hmm. women who are held back. Uh, and Aaron Brockovich, same connection. A yeah. uh, woman trying to make it in the workplace, yes. breaking that glass ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, lastly, a movie that Jeff said he's never heard of, but it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It goes along with his theme for his ladder, and that is In a World from 2013. Um, and I have seen it in a world. Uh, it is about a person who's trying to break in the world of uh, trailer voiceovers. It stars Lake Bell. I think she also wrote and directed it. Mm-hmm. Jeff said as well. Um, Molly, have you seen In a World? I have. I, I like that movie. Yeah. Nice. I remember that it. was one I, I really I, I saw the trailer and I thought it looked great. And then I remember liking it, but I think I, I don't think I loved it when I saw it. Yeah. Um, Brendan, have you seen that one? Uh, no, I had never even heard of it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good. It's it's definitely good. It's from a couple years ago, um, and it's they do a good job with the inner world guy. Mm-hmm. So. Inner world. Uh, all right, and then um, Rachel wrote in. Rachel's a friend of mine, and uh, mm-hmm. she has seen Working Girl, but she said she always confuses it with Baby Boom. Yep. So she suggested Baby Boom. I like then, Baby uh, Boom. <laughs> she also suggested Pretty Woman as well, in terms of a nice. early '90s, late '80s movie about uh, women in the workplace and yep. not being taken seriously. Baby Boom is sort of a uh, better version of Mr. Mom. It's not. It's more of a. Um, it's more of a drama than a comedy. Mr. Mom is way more of a comedy. It focuses on the Michael Keaton side of things. Baby Boom has the same sort of premise, but actually sticks with focusing on the mom played by Diane Ke- 
Yeah, it's Diane Keaton in that. Diane Keaton so I've never seen Baby Boom, but I always confuse. Yeah. That's funny because I always confuse Baby Boom with Big Business, which ah. stars Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler. Okay. Uh, which, if you like, look at if you look it up and you see the cover art for it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I used to see that movie in the video store all the time. It's like people walking through a revolving door. So if we end up doing Baby Boom, we're gonna have to do Big Business the following week. Okay. <laughs> uh jim crumley wrote in and he said he likes sigourney weaver so much in this that he suggests ghostbusters based mm-hmm. on connection of comedy set in new york city with romantic elements right. and sigourney weaver and also i believe uh timothy carhart is in that as well i think he has a small role i think he's the violinist in that i saw um, oh yeah her first her first date yeah, yeah. so yeah uh kyle wrote in he suggested the devil wears prada Secretary, Bosses from Mm -hmm. Hell, also I think you could throw in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, Yep. uh, Bosses from Hell, 9 to 5. I don't know what 9 to 5 is. I'm assuming that's about Bosses from Hell. Uh, 9 to 5 is Big Hair in the 80s. Oh, Big Hair in the 80s. And Women Breaking the Glass. Jane Fonda. Willie Tomlin. Yeah. Okay. And then Philadelphia, um, Connection, the only other movie that – with a song that won Oscar, Golden Globe, and Grammy for Best Song Ooh. by the uh, same writer-composer. I also think you could pull a connection there of somebody discriminated in the workplace, obviously, as well. Yep. Um, sure. All right, Nolan, his suggestion is Roadhouse. The main henchman, Jimmy, is uncredited is uncredited dancing in a green shirt at Tessa's friend's engagement party at the Yacht Club. A completely random spot by me that doesn't look like it's on his IMDb. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> so it's sort of a connection. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Swayze. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. Yeah. No, the uh, not Patrick Swayze. The main henchman. Not Patrick Swayze's. Oh, but that is the movie, right? That, right. Yeah, that is the movie. Patrick yeah. Swayze movie. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Swayze movie. Yeah. Roadhouse. I, so Roadhouse is one that people love, and I have never seen Roadhouse. It's one of my blind spots. Um, I don't know if that connection is solid enough, but uh, yeah. we'll see. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, you know, 80s workplace comedy, yep. I guess. Is it a comedy? It's probably got some funny parts, right? I'm not Roadhouse? sure. <laughs> sure. I'm not sure. Uh, have none I of us it when, I love, It's so funny when Sam Elliott punches people in the face over and over and over again. <laughs> Great. I laugh every time. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. All right. Uh, all right. Olin. So he wrote in 9 to 5 from 1980. Yep. Um, so we talked about that earlier and then he also sent in The Devil's Own it's another Harrison Ford movie and it takes place in New York with boats being a ma- major mode of transportation oh boats is it yeah. New York? I thought I thought Harrison Ford was a Boston cop in that movie is it New York? Um, I thought that movie was set in Boston well it's got but... it's got uh, Brad Pitt with an Irish accent in it okay um, maybe that's why I thought Boston let's see Devil's Own I thought, it was set, I thought he was a Boston cop in that, maybe not. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Okay. It's, it's, it says New York City in the description. Oh, okay. Well, all right then. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. All, all right. right. Um. So who wants to go first with their connections this week? And so I, I will say, I, I will be curious. I, I have a ton of connections written down, so I'm gonna. Do too. Ones I want to do. I, I'm curious how much crossover we have. Um, yeah. So far, I none of my three. connections have been named. Yeah. So you're so, you're good. You you limited yourself to three. I just kept writing yeah. stuff. Down. So I think I think we'll let Molly go last, since she's our guest. She gets to sum up. Okay. Um, or do you want to go first, Molly? In that way, hopefully, we don't take any of yours. No, that's Let's okay. Look. I'll yeah, go no, last. You go you first. Probably, yeah, you go first. You go first, and that way we can cross off. Then we yeah. then cross ones off our list. Yeah. Okay. That way we don't accidentally take any of yours. Yeah, oh, you that's go. Fine. 
Thank you. Um, So uh, Dakota Johnson connection, I Mm. was going to suggest Peanut Butter Falcon, not Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) So don't worry. Um, Have you watched Peanut Butter Falcon? Have you Uh, seen that? I've heard of it, but I've never, like, it sounds familiar. And I think I remember hearing good things, but I I don't know anything about it. It's from last year. It also stars Shia LaBeouf and um, Shia LaBeouf's, uh, I think he's a fisherman. And there is a um, young man with Down syndrome Mm -hmm. um, who lives in a home where Dakota Johnson works and he wants to go to a professional wrestling school (laughs) and they all kind of hook up and travel to go to this uh, professional wrestling school. So it's kind of like a feel good uh, buddy movie in a way. Yeah. And in case in case anyone missed it, the, the connection would be um so we went from Tibby Hedron to Melanie Griffith to Dakota Johnson, Dakota right. Johnson being the granddaughter of Tibby Hedron and the daughter of Melanie Griffith. So I was confused. And Very Don Johnson family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Johnson. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Um also uh, the movie Clock Watchers from the nineties that stars uh, Parker Posey and Tony Collette and Lisa Kudrow, and it's about uh temp uh, temp workers that all become friends in an office and um, they're kind of vying for this permanent position. So it's, it's a much better uh, female workplace um, mm. kind of, it's a little more like an independent, you know, comedy. Um, but I really like the relationships and the acting and in that movie. So I think well. that it relates. And then um, this one actually also has uh, a Fargo connection from this, latest episode of Fargo, but I was going to recommend uh, the Coen's Hudsucker Proxy. Okay. Yes. Because it uh, has Tim Robbins as someone trying to move up the corporate ladder and getting promoted. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Jason Lee is actually um, a journalist who pretends to be his secretary. And so they fall in love and then she has to reveal that she was lying. And then also Tim Robbins does steal an idea from someone nice. in the office so oh man i thought that was a good connection yeah i've never seen the hud sucker proxy but i'd be interested to yeah for sure i think it's maybe my only code somebody did connect that movie to uh this week's fargo somebody wrote in about about that oh, why nice. did you like this week's fargo episode um i did yeah i, I did. I, i'm kind it. of this is my least favorite season so far mm. of, of all the fargos yes, but yeah, but, uh, I do. Th- I do think you rank the seasons one, two, three, four. At least I do. Um, they 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 go down, you know. But it's I mean, yeah. I, I like there, yeah. I like season three a lot. I might I might do one, three, two, four. But um, yeah, I just don't like the the mobster element as much as I do the other more you know modern quirky crime seasons. Yeah. Yeah, there's less sort of accidental misunderstanding crime in this season. Which is something I always like about the Coens and their their writing is the sort of accidental accidental crime rather than intentionally being bad guys, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let me go ahead and get to my connections, and I'll let Zach go last. Um, Yay. So I had a few <laughs> um, that I wrote down that are similar to the listeners. Um, in order to not copy any of the listeners, I will cross those off. Um, for instance, I wrote down 9 to 5, I wrote down Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, I wrote down Devil Wears Prada. Um, I am going to go with, I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Harrison Ford and Alec Baldwin. I think it would be really fun to do, and this is the second time in three weeks I'm going to recommend that we do the double feature. 
But because this is Alec Baldwin, she she dumps Alec Baldwin to pick up Harrison Ford. How can we not do Hunt for Red October and Patriot Games? Ah, yes. I thought so. For some reason, I was thinking you were to do Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger, but I knew that was the double feature you were referencing. I want to I want to I want to pick up Alec Baldwin, then dump him for Harrison Ford (laughs) in the span of one episode. One episode, two episodes. Because we got to make up one episode. We can do it as a double episode, or we can do two episodes. Yeah. But yeah, I, but that's, I did have that's my big idea. Written down as well, but and then I also uh, so Harrison Ford in a cheesy rom com love triangle reminded me of Sabrina, the uh, nineteen ninety no not the teenage <laughs> witch the uh, nineteen ninety four remake of the Audrey Hepburn Humphrey Bogart classic. Um, I also thought about someone out of their element trying to make it big in New York. And so I thought about the Michael J. Fox uh, sort of rom comedy from the mid '80s, Bright Lights, Big City. Mm. I've never seen that. And maybe confusing it with Secret of My Success. I was gonna say I thought you were gonna talk about Secret of My Success. I think it's Bright Lights, Big City is the one I wanted to do. Um, and then my fourth one, I am gonna go with because the beginning of this movie is all about her buying and selling stocks and on the stock market, I thought about the big short. Ah, big short is fine. I like that. Uh, those are my four. Uh, Hunt October, Hitcher Games, Sabrina, Bright Lights, Big City, and the big short. Oh, I'm surprised that uh, I started on a lot. I thought you and I were going to have a ton of crossover, Brendan. The I only one that we had that crossover was, list. Yeah, the only one we had crossover on was Patriot Games. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight, one eight. obvious one that I left to you because I thought for sure it was going to be on your list. Yeah, I have ten movies written down. Holy shit! Yeah. That's why I'm glad I let you go last, man. Yeah, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna suggest all ten. I just have, now I have to cut down my list. So one that I had that I won't use, but um. I'm going to list. I'm just going to mention it because I don't want to let it go to waste. Um, when Tess is trying to hide the fact that like is pretending she has this uh, connection to Trask, but doesn't really. And like, she's making up the excuses. It reminded me a lot of Mr. McIntosh in blank check. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this, I got blank check vibes, but I'm not going to suggest blank check this week. Um, but it reminded me of that. Um, I also wrote down a Melanie Griffith movie that I'm not going to do, but uh, that's now and then. Oh, I've I never seen talking about milk money. Uh, no, nope, not milk money. Now and then, I've never <laughs> seen now and then, but I feel like I would like the structure of it as a Lost fan. I mm-hmm. think it's got a lot of uh, flashbacks. It does. So, um, yeah. all right. So let's see. So now I'm down to a couple more. Um, Wedding Crashers is an obvious one, yeah. as is Office Space, but yeah. um, not going to do either of those. But and horrible uh, bosses. Yes, and horrible bosses as well. So that all right. I'll, I'll take all of those off. Um, so that leaves me with five. So now I only have to uh, – all right. So one I'm going to do is Regarding Henry. Nice. Um, that is a Harrison Ford movie about a guy who gets amnesia, uh, also directed by Mike Nichols. Yep. So um, I love Regarding Henry. That's one I, I remember. That's like a video store classic growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Mike Nichols movie about a love triangle that I saw a long time ago and I haven't seen it. I'd be curious the whole stuff. That's Closer. Okay. So, um, I'm going to write closer down as well. Um, like Molly, I also got the Dakota Johnson connection and I thought it would be fun to do the three different generations. Unlike mm-hmm. Molly though, I am going to suggest Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey because I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. And I think it would be, um, we, I think we would have fun talking about Fifty Shades would of Grey. Oh, would we, <laughs> would we, would we really, 
I don't know if we would. It, it, like, <laughs> it, like, Jeff would get so mad at me. Yeah. If I was like, hey, we're watching Fifty Shades of Grey next. This is a spite podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I like it. As, uh, so now I'm down to two. Both are workplace movies that star people who were in this. Um, so I'm going to do the one that I think fewer people have seen. Right. I've seen it, and I really like it. Um, it's about the night before the financial collapse in 2008. And um, I think Kevin Spacey's in it. Um, mm. I don't remember exactly. Is it, now I gotta look it up. But uh, it's Margin Call. Either of you oh, seen Margin Call? Do not. No. Um, so it's from 2011. It's J.C. Chandor. So yeah. he's done. He did uh, Most Violent Year, All Is Lost, Triple Frontier. Right. Um, and it's about yeah the the day before the financial collapse. So it is a Kevin Spacey connection. Um, but it's got a lot of other people in it as well. Um, takes place in New York uh, stock you know New York Stock Exchange yeah. type place. Um, and, you know, I, I think, like, you know, separate the art from the artist if you can. And, uh, like, I, I I don't know. I, I've, I've always really liked Kevin Spacey as an actor. And I know he's awful now, but um, he was good in that movie. So. so there's one that nobody brought up that I thought for sure was the most obvious connection. And that's why I didn't. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Oh, yeah. I forgot because about that. Uh, Sue Ellen takes over for her boss and pretends to be her boss in order to um, save the company and get a really big deal. And she like moves to her boss's house and she does all these big things, pretending to be her boss, moving into her boss's office um, I and get initially gets hired as her assistant. So I thought for sure that was the most obvious connection and somebody would mention it, but I guess we'll mark it down as an honorable mention. I'm not going to... Uh, you could replace one of yours with it. I, that's true. Isn't David Duchovny in that too? David Duchovny's in that too. He might be. <laughs> yeah. He might I be mean, Yeah. I do think that is a good connection. I think that you should gonna, replace you should replace Bright Lights Big City with it. Or uh or the other one. I replaced like, the big short with it. Don't tell short. mom. Yeah. Don't tell mom we replaced the big short. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my other remaining honorable mention is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I think uh Kyle also listed this as an honorable mention. Yeah. Just in terms of like workplace salesman people. And uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. I think yeah. is somebody I think there's another uh cast connection in there too let's see glenn gary glenn rock so. might just be out oh spacey duh yeah kind of spacey yeah spacey's, well. spacey's, yeah. Oh, spacey's all over these connections yeah yeah spacey's all right yeah. well we've listed a whole bunch of movies so i'm gonna list what's <clears throat> actually in contention for our finals then uh brendan me and molly will mm-hmm. go through and pick our final three and then we'll decide on what we're watching next week maybe it'll be a double feature so we have hidden figures mm-hmm. a league of their own aaron brockovich in a world, Baby Boom, Pretty Woman, Ghostbusters, The Devil Wears Prada, The Wolf of Wall Street, Nine to Five, Philadelphia, Roadhouse, Nine to Five Again, The Devil's Own, Peanut Butter Falcon, Clock Watchers, The Hudsucker Proxy, The Hunt for Red October slash Patriots Game Doubleheader, Sabrina, Bright Lights Big Sit. Bright Lights, Big City. Say that again. Bright Lights. That is. Oh, man. <laughs> Bright Legs, Big what? Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Bright Lights, Big City. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Regarding Henry. Closer. Fifty Shades of Grey. And Margin Call. That right. is an amazing list of That's movies. a great list of movies. Uh, if you're I looking mean, for there are watch, so many on here that I've never seen. Yeah. Like this is this is one of our strongest weeks of movies to choose from ever. 
I, we're, for we're sure. Roaring, roaring strong as we head towards the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're looking for something to watch over the Thanksgiving holiday, check out our Letterbox watch list. We'll put all these movies on there. Absolutely. You can sort Absolutely. All right. So I get to go first since I went last. Um, and I don't like going first because there's so many things to choose from. Um, yeah, right. Man. Uh, so I think Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead. Like, I forgot about that movie until you mm. brought that up just now. Mm. And that is a great connection. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and go with that. Nice. Congratulations, Brendan. All right, Brendan, uh, you get to go second. What uh, what do you want to pick? So there's a couple of movies that are on this list that I have never seen but have been on my watch list for a while, um, including Hidden Figures, uh, 9 to 5, Devil Wears Prada. I've never seen any of those. Um, And I want to. I want to see all three of those, and I want to watch them all now. Do it. Um, Let's just do it. Um, I think that I have to go, and I've never seen Aaron Brockovich either, and that's a really good connection. I haven't seen Um, that as well. I want to go with, well, which of those have you seen, Zach? Uh, none. none of us have seen Nine to Five, right? And no. I feel like that figures or Aaron Brockovich. I think Nine to Five is the best connection. One based on the hair, two based on the Dolly Parton song also being nominated for best original song at the Oscars, mm-hmm. like Let the Rivers Run. So I think I have to go with Nine to Five because it sort of did what this movie did and maybe better. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but you know, a solid eight years before this movie came out. Oh, that okay. Yeah, it's from 1980. Um, yeah. So 95. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, Molly, I did want to watch Hudsucker Proxy after this week's Fargo because I haven't seen that, but I think I'll get to that at some point. Yeah, it's it's an amazing movie. It's overlooked Cohen, so mm-hmm. I recommend. Yeah, it's one. It's uh, I think my brother brought it up or one of the emailers brought it up um, as a connection, and it was like nice. I I had not even thought about the movie in a long time. Yeah. So. All right, Molly, well, you it. have the rest of these movies to choose from, except your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I this may not be the strongest connection, but I'm a huge Patrick Swayze fan, and for some reason I have never watched Roadhouse, so I'm going to go yeah. with Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> is that crazy? Is that too weak of a connection? No, I mean, you know, the, the fun thing is that we'll find things that are a connection. But... We will, we will. We'll find something. Um yeah, I've never seen Roadhouse as well. Um, I'll find out if it's. Combat. It's Prime Patrick Swayze, so yeah, you know, yeah, be bad. Right. All right, so we're staying in the '80s, right? Is Don't Tell Mom <laughs> the Babysitter's Dead the '80s? Uh, '91, I believe. Oh, '91. All right. Yeah, so, but it's close. It's yes. close. She does have the big hair. Yeah. Christine Applegate gets the big hair in her glow up, so <laughs> she's got um, big hair there. Well, at least we're not gonna. We won't tie between no. these three. Um. I want to do Don't Tell Mom the Bees. That's my my vote. I just think that's I think that would be very fun to do. I think um, it would be really fun, and I bet people haven't seen it or haven't seen it since they were kids. Yes, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Molly, have you seen Don't I, Tell Mom? I'm assuming. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's a much better um, execution of the premise than um, Working Girl, I think. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. It is streaming on HBO. I think it's an HBO movie. No, um, it's not. It's, it's not, not an HBO movie. No. Okay. It came out in 91, so only three years after this. Sue Ellen Crandall is a teenager eagerly awaiting her mother's summer-long absence. While the babysitter looks after her rambunctious younger siblings, Sue Ellen can party and have fun. But then the babysitter abruptly dies, leaving the Crandalls (laughs) short on cash. Sue Ellen finds a sweet job in the fashion industry. 
Yeah. But it, it doesn't sound like that connects, but it definitely connects. Oh, it definitely connects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is also, it's an HBO Studios movie as well. Is it? Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't realize that. Okay. So. Um, right on. Yeah, I mean. Let's Josh see. So Charles. One's... Actually, Josh Charles plays the boyfriend, not. Uh... Oh, David Duchovny is in this. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. we got David Duchovny. We've got Josh Charles, who is fantastic um, in everything. Uh, yeah, Christina Applegate. Who else is in this? Uh, so nine to five is also streaming on stars yep. and what was the third movie roadhouse. Yep. Um, I think roadhouse is also in as well. Movie. Yeah. Um, people love roadhouse. Oh, roadhouse is 89. Yeah. And roadhouse is not streaming anywhere. So roadhouse is for rental. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I say we do Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I, I think, think it, we do too. And it also kind of feels like a Thanksgiving movie for some reason. That's true. We don't have any Thanksgiving movies on here. Um, should we Should we do a – can we pivot and do Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, somehow connect that? <laughs> I will always Maybe be watching this. that on Thanksgiving anyway, so that's yeah. my tradition. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Um, there's another Thanksgiving movie I really want to watch called The Oath, which I I've never seen. Really um, it's about, like, a Thanksgiving with, like, half the family is on one side politically and half is on the other side politically. Um, yeah, it's one I want to watch. It's very timely. Well, yeah, um, I think I think we're doing Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. So that's what Molly, what do you like. think about picking Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? I like it. I I like Nine to Five as well, but they're both good. I think I recommended Nine to Five after um, mm-hmm. Harold and Maude, maybe, because mm. the the sounds... writer of Harold and Maude directed Nine to Five, I think. Okay, okay, that sounds about right. Yeah. So they're both good. Yeah, I think we would have a lot of fun with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Um, right. And, and I'm curious so. because I haven't watched it since I was probably 12 years old, so I'm curious how it holds up. Yeah, that's that's the way I feel too. Like there are actually, yeah. I feel like this is a movie I remember so many. Like mm-hmm. there are like the dishes are done, man. The dishes I are done. Never forget movie. that scene. Mm-hmm. So, right on top of that, Rose. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the movie that I learned Petty Cash from. So yep. this is a fun like classic movie to do. Um, yeah. Receipts. All right. She has the receipts. Yeah, we're do, we're doing. Don't tell mom the baby. Yeah, I think we're going to have fun with that. It's a good one. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Brennan, one of yours got picked. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> I'm glad I swapped out the big short for it. I'm glad you brought there it you up. Go. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I thought for sure that was going to be on your list, which is why I took it off mine. Yeah, I just I didn't even think about it. But, yeah. So uh, I'll take it. Yay, I got one, guys. Nice. Uh, and yeah, we're still figuring out when we're going to record. We might record a little bit late next week. It either will be Sunday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. <laughs> Late um, or early, we'll see. Yeah, or early. It might be it, Sunday All being right. early. Yeah. So I'm now uh, only one point behind off. Oh, nice. One point <laughs> behind the guys no longer on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's going to be our movie next week. Don't tell mom babysitter's dead. Uh, make sure you send in your feedback about that movie. If you haven't seen it, go rewatch it on HBO. It's it's only like an hour and a half, a little over that. Um, so send us your feedback at ladder movie, the movie ladder gmail.com if you want to email in that feedback. And let us know what you think, and we will get to that. Um, all right, so let's wrap up with uh, what are you planning to watch this week? Molly, what are, what's on your list to watch upcoming this week? Uh, well, there's some things that are leaving the Criterion channel this month. So uh, the Coma from the 80s, is that a Michael Crichton movie, I think? Mm. Um, so that's on there, and that's going to be leaving. So I, I want to – I think I watched it forever ago, but I want to rewatch Coma. Coma, all right. It's like organ harvesting, you know, kind of uh, sci-fi, right? Nice. Do you, 
Do you uh, do you have? So you said you watch planes, trains, and automobiles for Thanksgiving. Do you have any other Thanksgiving traditions that you uh, you like to do? Well, eating? I think. <laughs> um, well, of course, watch the Peanuts Thanksgiving. I know people mm-hmm. like they usually like the Christmas th- Peanuts better, but Thanksgiving is always my favorite. And now mm-hmm. that uh, the CDC recommends that everyone have their uh, Christmas gathering or sorry, their Thanksgiving gatherings outdoors. I think Snoopy was way ahead of the game, you know, yeah, having absolutely. picnic tables outside and pretzels, toast and jelly beans. <laughs> yeah, you have. A, yeah, you you live somewhere where you can sit outside for Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, this yes. is true. Nice. <laughs> um, all right, Brendan, how about you? What are you going to watch this week? Uh, yeah, so obviously I need to watch this week's Fargo uh, probably tonight after Jeopardy. I'll watch that. Um, what else? There's uh, not much else out there that that I'm that I'm really keeping track of or tracking that I want to watch. Um, yeah, mostly I'm just excited to watch this week's Fargo. And uh, nice. The Amazing Grace has been this season of The Amazing Grace has been really fun. So the the middle of the season is when things really start to heat up when there's only six or seven teams left and starts getting really snippy. Um, I'm really excited for that. So this has been a really solid season for The Amazing Grace. Um. And Great British Bake Off, as always, has been really great so far. Um, every A new season of Somebody Feed Phil also just dropped on Netflix. I'll probably check some of that out this weekend as well. Is that the food show? Yeah. Nice. Um, all right. Well, for me, so on my personal ladder, the last movie I watched was Lost in Translation. I rewatched that after Anomalisa. has a lot of connections to Anomalisa. So uh, the natural connection off of Lost in Translation is On the Rocks, which just came out, which just came out. It's Bill Murray and Sofia Coppola uh, reconnecting again. So I think On the Rocks is – I don't even know if that – I think that's a Netflix movie, but I need to figure out how I'm going to watch that. So, um, I have, yeah, that's – I think we're going to have that on my watch list too, I think. Yeah, on the so rocks. I don't know anything about it. I assume that it was a relationship, but it turns out that it's a father-daughter thing. So Yeah, I think Rashida Jones uh, um, is suspecting her husband of cheating on her, so – Bill Murray and her are like out and about trying to find out. Oh, that if sounds that's fun. true. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I might even watch that tonight. We'll see how quickly I can get this podcast edited. So, um, yeah. All right. So that's what's on all of our watch lists. So next week we're going to be watching, all of us are going to be watching. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Yep. We'll be back here to talk about it. Uh, Molly, thank you so much for coming on. As guest. Yeah. Thank, thank you. It was oh, great. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, anything, any last thoughts, any last words of wisdom you want to get on here before we leave? Just, uh, you know, treat women well in the workplace. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, a good go. that's a good one. Um, <laughs> and is there any way people can connect with you besides a uh, veggie dog on Letterboxd? Uh, no, I'm famously not on, on Twitter or Instagram. So just nice. Letterboxd. <laughs> Letterboxd. Yeah. So follow, follow Maggi, Molly on Letterboxd. <laughs> veggie dog with two G's, correct? That's me. Yep. Yes. Veggie dog with two G's. And then get some veggie dogs. I recommend the ones from Aldi. They're very good. So. Aldi. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Brennan, where can people find you and what are you yeah, doing? You can find me on Twitter at Fidzy Brendan or on Letterboxd at BrenFids11. Uh, hopefully I'll be logging some more movies on Letterboxd coming up soon. Um, I know I've been sort of slacking towards the end of the year Slacker. on getting new things <laughs> logged or even putting new things on my personal ladder. Um, but yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it'll pick up as we're staying home more because quarantine is happening more. It's just freezing cold. Yeah. yeah. And it's also freezing cold. So. So, uh, you can follow me at Brooks ZA. Uh, my brother and I got together yesterday to talk about the most recent episode of Fargo, which we've talked about a couple times on here. Uh, it's very, very good. Very fun. Um, 
So you can check that out. That is the Digesting Fargo pod. We only have a couple more episodes of Fargo left, and then Aaron and I are going to figure out what we're going to digest next. We've started talking about other shows we want to talk, we want to do on the Digesting pod. Uh, we're pretty sure we will do Digesting Succession, but we have no idea when that will be happening, but uh, that will be happening as well. And I'm trying to badger Mac into doing another James Bond podcast so I can keep watching those, but he's busy. So we'll see. Um, and you can follow this podcast proper at Ladder Movie. Of course, you can email us at movieladder at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week to talk about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead streaming on HBO. We're right on top of that podcast, Rose. <laughs>